The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Good morning. Um, I wanted to talk about a little bit about the two aspects of practice, letting go and cultivation. And um, the reason I brought it up was I just finished teaching um, uh, a six-week introductory to mindfulness course, and each week um, the students are given a series of questions and exercises they're supposed to uh, do. And one of the exercises actually generated a lot of confusion. And uh, so... um, so that's uh, what's been on my mind. And what the exercise was, it, it generated confusion in some of the students, not, not, not all of them. Um, and we asked them to do an activity that brings a positive state of mind when they do it, that tends to do that, and to do that activity more frequently than usually. So, for instance, let's say um, you love to pet your dog. You know, so maybe you do that a little bit more frequently than usual. And to notice what your mind is like when you do this activity. And then to reflect on what can you do to sustain that mental attitude, that mind state. Um, so the main thing that we, you know, we heard back from, some, uh, from people who had problems with this exercise was that, well, I thought we're just supposed to accept what is. Um, you know, this, it seems like we're trying to change something instead of accept what's happening. Because you know, when we're paying attention to our minds in meditation, we're, um, you know, we're focusing on the breath. A thought comes up, we just let it go. You know, um, and an irritation comes up, we let it go. So we're in the in the habit of letting go. So it seemed to be a little bit in conflict with um, with the instructions. Um, so one of the things, uh, as I start reflecting on 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 this a little bit more thought about there's two um, basic ways that we practice. On one hand, we practice in that be here now. You know, everything is in the present. That's the, that's the most relevant thing we have at any given moment. It's the, what's this moment right now. Um, but at the same time, we decide to practice every day for this period of time. We set a goal. And so we do that because we have uh, something we want out of it, right? Uh, Maybe we want to have a more relaxed mind, have less uh, mental torture, uh, or maybe just lower blood pressure. But we have a reason that we do it. So at the same time, we have a goal, a reason for doing this. And so we set ourselves to make plans for the future. And uh, at the same time, all that's really important is to show up every moment, moment after moment. And to be able to hold both of those things, um, you know, at the same time. Um, One of my favorite quotes uh, is from Gandhi. He said, um, live as if you were going to die tomorrow. That means every moment, notice the bird outside. That might be the last bird you'll ever see. You know, the smile on the child's face. Live as if you're going to die tomorrow. And learn as if you were going to live forever. So then you, you get interested in everything. You, um, you allow yourself to make long-term plans. Um, so it's a really wonderful thing. Again, they seem to be two 
of opposite ideas, but it's what allows us to be really whole in our lives, to hold both of those. Um, so getting back to the original question about, about uh, positive mental states, um, one of the things that our mindfulness practice does is when we're able to see our minds clearly enough that we realize we have a choice of what, ha- what we do with our minds. And it just gives us that little bit of room to make these choices. And these choices are, are um, they're what, we, what create karma. Okay, so uh, what karma is action. So what happens, for instance, let's say you have a lifetime of being uh, a very angry, judgmental person. You've got these incredible mind habits that just have a lot of force and power. But here you're generating a moment of mindfulness, a moment where you actually have a choice, and you can either encourage your mind to continue you know, uh, complaining about how terrible the world is, or you can take a moment to appreciate this moment, to appreciate what your life is right at this moment. And that moment of choice conditions the next moment. So you have this, maybe this lifetime of this, but every moment that you're bringing a little moment of peace, a little moment of peace starts changing what, how your life is, how your mind is. Um, and... Um, so a lot of people start to meditate, you know, and they think of this practice as just something you do on the cushion. But it's the same mind that's on the cushion that washes the dishes, talks to you, your spouse, uh, goes to work. It's the same mind. And even though we might focus uh, and do our training, our formal training of the mind in this, uh, you know, the sitting period that we take each, each day, hopefully, um, you know, it's the same mind that needs to use the same practices during the rest of the day. And so the Eightfold Path, um, so meditation is just, you know, mindfulness is just one aspect of the Eightfold Path. Another aspect is concentration, uh, how we live our lives, wisdom. But one of the steps of the Eightfold Path that's essential in every other aspect is wise effort. And so this brings us directly to the question, what is wise effort? And um, it's defined uh, often by four different ways of putting out effort. The first effort, and two um, uh, two of those efforts are efforts to help you let go, and two of those efforts are efforts to help you cultivate positive mind states. So two help you let go of, Uh, unhelpful mind states to help you cultivate these helpful mind states. So the first one is to guard against uh, any unhealthy mind states, unhelpful mind states. And so let's look at what that looks like in meditation. Uh, Let's say you're sitting there just, you know, nicely watching your breath, and um, you hear somebody, you know, turn on the leaf blower outside. One of those really pleasant sounds, right? And, um, and so if you're carefully watching your mind and you're really alert for the movement of your mind, you'll notice that the noise was unpleasant. That noise just was definitely unpleasant. Uh, 
And, but if you're staying mindful, you can just leave it at that. Oh yeah, it's just unpleasant. You don't have to get upset over it. Now, if you're not being really mindful of that, that you know, you're not guarding yourself, then the mind can say, oh God, how could they do that? They should be outlawed. And, you know, and, you know, and suddenly you're miles and miles away. Maybe you're angry and, you know, really, God, those, those are horrible. And I should, you know, it's not that, it's not that those aren't, it might not be a useful thing to do at some point to try to get rid of leaf blowers. But in the moment, what's happening is this emotional clinging that happens. And so, uh, so guarding is not, a, um, it's not really a, a, a guarding, like being tense. It's being alert to that process, to where a, um, an unhealthy mind state might come in. And if we notice what's pleasant and unpleasant in our lives, uh, in our meditation, then we can guard against grabbing onto those things, pushing away the unpleasant, grasping the pleasant. Um, the next um, uh, way of letting go is that once um, you have an unskillful mind state and you're in the middle of it, to abandon it, to let it go. Now, you've probably all done that a lot during meditation, right? You know, the mind's like totally cut off in something. You go, oh, oh, here I am. You know, so we let it go. Um, um, you know, um, okay, so now we go to the two that are the, the developing, the cultivating of wholesome states. And of course, the first one is to make a wholesome state arise. Now, this is the one that created the problem, right? You know, the idea of developing a wholesome mental state. But what do you do when you sit down to meditate? You know, sometimes you're just kind of, maybe you're rushing around, you go, you know, getting yourself ready and you sit down. You're, you're doing it to create a positive, helpful mental state. So it's something we do all the time. Um, and um, so we do with meditation. We might do it with the practice of loving kindness. We might cultivate generosity. Uh, by giving mindfully and really noticing. For instance, you know, you, people can write a check and do so, oh yeah, I should do that because, you know, they either feel guilty. They can do it out of many, many reasons where we give. But we can cultivate generosity of the heart by really staying mindful of the process. You know, you give somebody your time and maybe your heart constricts, oh, got to, you know, I wanted to uh, actually you know, be running right now, but they want my attention, you know. And so maybe your heart contracts a little bit right before you give. But by staying mindful, you're cultivating the generosity. Um, if you give, uh, you give something that you value, you know, and you feel that little bit of your, you know, you've decided to give it and you're happy to give it, the little part of the mind contracts. So we're practicing generosity. And then the fourth uh, right effort, wise effort, is um, making a wholesome, once it's there, once you have a wholesome mental state, to make it continue. Again, that also, you know, can, can smack of being a little contrived. But what are we doing in meditation when we're staying on the breath, you know, and we're trying to keep it to stay there? Okay, we've been stable in the breath, so we continue to stay there. We continue to, get to, to be calm, to be tranquil. 
um, we don't get complacent. Sometimes what happens in meditation, very, a very frequent thing that happens is, uh, you know, since we're struggling a lot with a lot of restlessness, and we finally get calm, and then, oh, this is good enough, you know. <laughs> we stop putting out the effort. So that's where that forthright effort comes in. Okay, you're in, a, you know, you're in an alert and relaxed mental state. That's what we're, what we're looking for in practice, alert and relaxed. We see what's going on, but yet we're really relaxed. It's a vibrant, alive mental state. So when we're there, we don't get complacent. We don't you know, lower energy and just be only relaxed. So, um, so those are very useful um, efforts to do both in practice. Um, and so now going back to the original question of petting the dog. Okay, so one of the things that happens sometimes is that when we do a practice that's focused on letting go, what happens is we can train our minds to only see the things we have to let go of. And how many of you have noticed, you know, um, irritation, uh, itching, um, you know, restlessness, you know, all these things in your mind and forgotten to notice calm and tranquility? Um, I did that for a long time, you know. I just kept looking for what was wrong in my mind and, and, not, and missing huge pieces of my experience. Um, so part of noticing your positive mental states is really recognizing them, both in meditation and in the rest of your life. How many moments of peace do you have? Maybe you go take a hot shower, you have this, you know, it feels really good, you're very relaxed, and, you know, you don't even notice it. So by noticing it, and recognizing it, we actually encourage it. Um, and the other purpose for doing that, you know, how many of you just thinking about petting your dog makes you feel happy? Or, or a similar thing. Just thinking about it. You're not even petting them, but just you think about it and this warm, loving feeling arises. So, so that's another way that thinking about a mental state, it's... A, it's not the dog, it's in your mind, right? It has nothing to do with the dog, it's just, it's your mind, it's your own mind. And so, um, so that's another aspect of doing this practice of cultivating positive mental states in your life. And the last thing I, the benefit that I thought is that sometimes the memory of something uh, can really be helpful to cultivating these states. And for instance, um, I, how many of you have practiced metta, loving-kindness practice? Okay, some of you. Um, so one of the things you start with in, in loving-kindness practice is you, you use uh, the, an object, which might be yourself, your mentor. You're supposed to use someone who it's easy for you to feel kind thoughts towards, to wish them well. And, um, you know, and it, sometimes it takes our memory to bring that up. And I know someone, uh, a you know, friend who she, the only person, the only being she could use that she had friendly thoughts towards was her dog. You know, so it was the memory of the dog that she used to cultivate this practice. Um, so it's time. So the last thing I want to say, uh, there's a shadow side that's possible to cultivating positive mental states. And that can happen, um, you know, if we try to be positive. There's a certain, um, you know, cultivating the, these uh, 
really wonderful, skillful mental states is not about denying our emotions. It's not about denying our pain. Um, it, it includes all of that. We can have a positive mental state in relation to our pain. So for sad, you know, we can be sad and, and be compassionate towards ourself. It makes our sadness a wholesome mental state. Um, so thank you, and thank you for sharing this morning with me.